Welcome to Ohio Matters, the Cleveland.com politics podcast. I'm Seth Richardson. I'm Mary Kilpatrick. And I'm Andrew Tobias. And as always, thanks for listening. Special thanks to the Cleveland Public Library for helping us out with this podcast and providing us the space to record it as well as the equipment. They're always very helpful and we really appreciate uh, working with them. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to this podcast, and when you do that, rate and review us. It helps other people find this podcast, and we know you want other people to find this excellent foray into journalism. And if you have any feedback, send that my way. You want to request a guest, you want to tell us what we're doing right, tell us what we're doing wrong, we want to hear all of it. You can send that to my email, that's srichardson at cleveland.com. Again, that is srichardson at cleveland.com. This week on Ohio Matters... Hamilton County Clerk of Courts, Aftab Pirival. Now, I know everyone who's listening is like, why are you having the... Wait, wait. Yeah, the big the get. Hamilton County Clerk of Courts? Big get. Big get. Did you hear that, Mary? Oh, my God. Is that the play? Was he in the play? <laughs> um, Hamilton? No, he's, he's in the play? He's, he's not Oh, my God. You got somebody famous. from Hamilton on the show? <laughs> no, we had Aftab on because he is actually the Democratic nominee for the first congressional district down in the Cincinnati area, Hamilton County. And uh, we wanted to have him on just to sort of talk with him. He's a newcomer to politics, uh, one of those kind of the southwestern like young guns, I guess, if you want to call them that way, which I did realize that we we, we, we have had a lot of... The trifecta. Yeah, we've had the PG Sittenfeld, the Nan Whaley, now the Aftab Pirival. So we've, you know, we've, we've got our bases covered in southwest Ohio. But uh, it was a really interesting conversation that Andrew and I had with him. You know, we talked about his, um, you know, kind of mixed race background and what it was like growing up uh you know with a name like Aftab Pirival he often jokes that oh he sounds like he's from some whimsical place but he's actually from Beaver Creek Ohio and uh just kind of what it was like growing up and um you know being a mixed race kind of I guess he describes it as ethnically ambiguous in a place like Beaver Creek he's also used the word like racial Rorschach tests or something like that it's it's part of his shtick and it's kind of funny like um I think like race can be this really complicated topic uh, to talk about. And he like obviously uses it in a disarming way, which, um, you know, works for him, I think. With that, let's listen to the interview that Andrew and I did with Aftab Pirival. Who was not in Hamilton. No. Leave it in. Leave it in. <laughs> Aftab, thank you so much for joining us. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. I'm a huge fan of podcasts myself, so really looking forward to this. Well, hopefully you've already subscribed and rated and reviewed us like I ask everyone to do at the beginning of the episode. So I, uh, I will get right on that. <laughs> All right. So uh, I'm sure you get the question, where are you from, quite a bit. Oh. Um, but we actually already know that. We know you're from Beaver Creek. <laughs> and I just wanted you to kind of walk us through, you know, what it was like growing up in Beaver Creek. Give us a little bit about your background. Yeah, sure. So my story uh, really starts with my parents' story. Uh, so I'm the son of a refugee. My mom was born in Tibet, and she was forced to flee her home country when the communist Chinese took over. So my grandparents and my mom uh, made their way uh, across Nepal and into India, where she grew up as a refugee. Against all odds, she got an education. She made it to college, uh, where she met my dad. Uh, the young couple got married, and they decided they wanted to come to the New World. They wanted to come to the United States. So my dad looked at a map of our great country, and from sea to shining sea, uh, from New York to California, this crazy man literally could have gone anywhere, and he chose Beaver Creek, Ohio. Uh, so they immigrated here in 1980. I was born a couple years later in 1982. Went to public schools. I had a very uh, kind of American suburban 
uh, upbringing. I played a bunch of sports, uh, excelled at none of them. I played uh, soccer and basketball. Uh, we're on traveling teams. Um, I, I now put myself in my parents' shoes, uh, carting me all around the tri-state area uh, for these these tournaments that you know I never played in, <laughs> but they loved me so much and supported me so much that they were uh, they were happy to do it. Um, yeah, I went to went to public schools, Beaver Creek High School, made my way to uh, Ohio State for college and the University of Cincinnati uh, for law school. Do you ever figure out why your parents chose Beaver Creek? Well, you, you go to where you know someone. So my dad's uncle uh, was working uh, on uh, the base, right, Patterson Air Force Base, as a civilian. Uh, aeronautical engineer uh, and living in Xenia, Ohio. Uh, so they went to Beaver Creek because they knew a single person in the United States. But, you know, my, my parents are incredibly educated and they, they started from the bottom up. My dad started, uh, his first job was bagging groceries at the local grocery and uh, really kind of worked his way up to ultimately work for Lockheed Martin in Dayton, Ohio. My mom worked in uh, a bunch of small businesses and ultimately uh, opened her own small business in, in Yellow Springs. So they had a kind of a uniquely American, uniquely American immigrant story. Um, and, and because of their hard work and their dedication to uh, not only their family, but to the community, I was able to go to great public schools uh, go to great state schools and now have a career. And, and I owe all of that to uh, to my parents. So you said you went to Ohio State and then the University of Cincinnati and eventually made your way to D.C., correct? That's right, yeah. So um, my my degree at, at Ohio State was uh, political science, uh, and that might as well have been pre-unemployed, so I had to go to law school. Um, so I went to the University of Cincinnati College of Law, uh, just had a great experience there. I worked in the legal aid domestic violence clinic representing women who had experienced abuse who couldn't afford an attorney, uh, which was really a, a fortifying uh, and foundational experience for me. And then ultimately, uh, I worked in Washington, D.C. for a firm for several years. But, you know, I got homesick. Um, I'm, I'm physically, my physical appearance, I'm, I'm half Indian, half Tibetan. I look vaguely Hawaiian, but I'm all Ohio. So I moved back to Cincinnati, um, where I served as a special assistant United States attorney uh, in Cincinnati and in Dayton. You've described that as like a pro bono work, right? Yeah, that's right. So I worked uh, pro bono for a year. I had all the uh, responsibilities and authority uh, of a uh, federal prosecutor. Um, but it was really my opportunity to come back to the community that had raised me and uh, my, my opportunity to serve my country. Standing in federal court and saying, Aftab Pureval on behalf of the United States of America uh, is a sobering and inspiring uh, activity. And uh, it's, it's one of my, my fondest memories of my career. Uh, I primarily worked with the local FBI on prosecuting child pornography claims, which is, as you can imagine, incredibly challenging work, um, but also incredibly fulfilling uh, as we seek justice for those, for those child victims. Uh, and then most recently, I was the global brand attorney for Oil of Olay, P&G skincare company, um, which made me a beauty attorney, which is <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, but again, P&G is, is just such an amazing company, uh, not only in Cincinnati, but across the world. Uh, and I learned a lot of great management techniques uh, there and, and really great business acumen that I applied in my current position as the uh, Hamilton County Clerk of Courts. You know, I watched a, uh, an interview where, or I'm sorry, it was a speech, actually, uh, where you described yourself as miserable while you were working at the law firm in D.C. What, what made you miserable about D.C.? Yeah, I mean, you know, 
it, it was it was really the combination of the atmosphere and the uh, the work. So the atmosphere, I, I started my first legal job the day Lehman Brothers went under, so right on the precipice of the financial collapse. And that was an incredibly insecure time economically uh, for not only me, but for Americans across the country. And so, of course, that, that brought a great deal of stress um, to my work environment. That, coupled with the work that I was doing, antitrust litigation, uh, you know, while it was uh, very intellectual and, and kind of challenging from that perspective, it wasn't necessarily fulfilling. Uh, and so that's what really caused me uh, to quit my job and come home uh, and serve uh, as a special assistant United States attorney. Before we get too far into Cincinnati, I want to just stop in Dayton real quick. Sure. Um, so as we were talking about off air, I, I lived in Dayton for a little bit. And I, I guess I was hoping you could explain Marion's Pizza to me because I, I just <laughs> did not, didn't get it. You're not a fan of Marion's Pizza, really? I, yeah. Oh, maybe, man. Maybe it's just like it was hyped up so much, I just expected more. Yeah, well, you know, it's a, it's a regional delicacy, not, not unlike uh, Skyline and Cincinnati. Listen, uh, it's, uh, in my opinion, it is the, the best pizza uh, in the country. It's, it's thinly, uh, uh, thinly crusted pizza. Uh, there's salt on the bottom. Uh, which gives it a little bit of a, a little bit of a kick, uh, and the the sauce is pretty sweet. So I'm a big fan of the sausage pepperoni, um, but you know, to each his own. That, that's that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so what made you decide to run for Hamilton County Clerk of Courts? It's not exactly the you know normally when you hear about people making the leap into politics, they you know. Uh, they they want to go big or go home kind yeah. of thing. And I'm not saying that it's not an important job. It's just maybe not the sexiest job in politics. Sure. Well, yeah, someone told me that you guys had uh, Anthony Gonzalez on here uh, earlier, former NFL uh, receiver, former Ohio State star, and now you have the Hamilton County Clerk of Courts. So <laughs> that, is a, that is a bummer for your listeners. Sorry about that. Um, I, I, I totally hear you. And, in fact, when I first started telling people uh, I wanted to run for the Hamilton County Clerk of Courts. Their response was, are you crazy? You know, what is wrong with you? You're going to run for this office no one has heard about, no one cares about. You're going to run against an opponent, a two-term, really well-known Republican incumbent, an opponent that can't be beaten in conservative Hamilton County. And oh, by the way, you're a brown guy named Aftab, right? That's not a strong ballot name. Um, and to do all that, you have to leave your job at Procter & Gamble. What is wrong with you? And that was just my mom, right? So the, the deck was <laughs> definitely stacked against us. Um, but we ran incredibly hard. We ran incredibly passionately. We, could, we campaigned in the progressive parts, in the conservative parts. We had a very simple message about ending patronage, ending uh, nepotism, really trying to even the playing field uh, in the courthouse. And at the end of the day, we won. And by winning, we became the first Democrat in nearly 100 years uh, to, to be elected to the clerk of court. So it was a, it was a pretty big upset. Uh, but what I'm really proud of is that we ran uh, a genuine campaign that was true to myself. Because, you know, I'll be honest, when I first started telling people, uh, and these are Democrats now, that I was interested in running, they would say, I make light of it, but it's true, you know, uh, for these down ticket races, name ID is almost everything, right? And your name, Aftab, is not an easily identifiable name, uh, and it's really going to hurt you. Uh, and, and, you know, to a certain degree, they're right. When I'm walking in parades and I'm meeting people for the first time, the first question I get asked is, what is an Aftab? 
right? Not who is an AFTAB, but what is an AFTAB? Is that an insurance company? Is that a standardized test? Um, and so the suggestion was to change my name to Adam or to Al. Um, and instead of doing that, we took our perceived weakness and really made it the strength of our campaign uh, through a pretty creative um, a television um, a television TV spot series. Did, did it involve a duck? It by involved any a duck. Yeah. yeah. And in fact, one of the Cleveland periodicals up here had a headline uh, that said, "Here is a Ohio campaign ad that doesn't suck," which was high praise coming from Cleveland. I was very proud of that. Uh, but in a nutshell, yeah, that, it was that, that's like the Cleveland hug. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think. I think you're right. I, I was. It was a. It was. It was a proud moment for me. Uh, but in a nutshell, it was um, me kind of saying my name and my experience and my ideas. And every time I said my name, a big yellow duck puppet would pop up and say the AFTAB, uh, say my name AFTAB in the AFLAC voice. So, you know, maybe not dignified, but incredibly memorable, uh, accessible, and funny because if you remember, the 2016 election was pretty toxic. So we really stuck out because uh, we were trying to uh, appeal to people's lighthearted side. Do you think it's a weak ballot name, though? I mean, I, I guess we were talking about it in... It's, it's a very unique name, obviously, in American politics. So it seems like you'd be able to remember it as opposed to, hey, which John Smith am I supposed to vote for <laughs> or whatever, you know? Well, there's a tipping point, Seth, right? So in the beginning, when you're unknown, um, it's, it's, it really is a challenge. Um, it's a challenge that I'm proud of, but it's, it's certainly a challenge. But there is a tipping point. At some point, when you become well-known enough, um, it's, it's a strength because it does, it does stand out. It is unique. So the same people who were telling me to change my name to Al or to Adam are now saying, hey, man, I, I can't run for office and win. My name's John Smith, right? I wish my name was Aftab. I wish I, I stuck out more. So there is a point at which it's a strength. But early on, uh, it's a challenge. And, and you know, that's a, a reality that a lot of diverse first-time candidates uh, have to deal with. You sort of alluded to it while we've been talking, um, you know, having a unique name being sort of— uh, uh, you know, racially ambiguous to the naked eye and whatnot. And, you know, I found another interview where you talked about this sort of identity crisis you had while you were growing up in Beaver Creek, Ohio. And I'm wondering what sort of, you know, we heard about the difficulties that you kind of faced politically, you know, from the onset. What sort of difficulties did you face kind of in the rest of your life? Yeah, I mean, I, I, had, a, I had really a wonderful uh, childhood in Beaver Creek, Ohio. Um, I was surrounded by uh, an amazing amount of love and support. I had um, just an incredible amount of friends and family and coaches uh, who just invested so much into me, t public school teachers, uh, that are really one of the biggest reasons that uh, I'm here today. Uh, but the challenge wasn't really external, it was more internal um, because I uh, I really had a hard time fitting into different communities because of my multi-ethnic background uh, and because of just how homogeneous um, Beaver Creek, Ohio can be. You know, that was, that was a period of some soul searching. But I came out on the other side of it, and I came out stronger, and I think I came out with an ability uh, to be particularly empathetic towards other people. Because of my own kind of challenges to fit in, I think I'm better able to put myself in other people's shoes uh, and see the world through their eyes. And, and frankly, I think that makes me a stronger public servant uh, because I'm able to see, see issues or projects from a lot of different points of view. I'm able to bring a lot of diverse and unique um, voices and perspectives together uh, and, and, and get a team to kind of move forward in one direction. So 
while it was a challenging time as a kid, I think it served me well uh, now that I'm into my career. Do you think you found the identity that you were looking for when you were younger? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, at the, the bottom line is that I've, I've stopped being so worried about it, <laughs> right? I'm, you know, my identity is that I'm an Ohioan, um, and I'm proud of the fact that I was born and raised in Ohio. I was educated in Ohio. I work now in Ohio. I'm trying to give back in Ohio. Uh, and, you know, no matter what your ethnicity is, no matter what your background is, I think we all struggle a little bit to fit in. I think we all struggle a little bit to find our place. And having that insight, um, I think, makes me a, a stronger public servant. If you could go back in time and tell, you know, youth, <laughs> you, teenage, you, whatever, yeah. uh, you know, whoever was kind of struggling with this, what, right. what would you tell them? I would tell them to appreciate the struggle. I would tell them to, um, uh, to value the uh, time of self-evaluation um, and, uh, and to try and turn that into uh, a strength, uh, which is what I ultimately was able to kind of stumble into. Um, and, and that's why I'm, I'm so proud of, of my background, of my ethnicity, and so proud of what we've achieved so far. get Capital Letter, it's the must-have daily read for statehouse happenings. Five mornings a week, Cleveland.com provides a daily intelligence briefing filled with succinct, timely information. It's perfect for people, businesses, and organizations that care about decisions made by lawmakers, the governor, and all of state government. From breaking news to rumblings in the rotunda, if you're not getting Capital Letter, you're missing out. For more information, visit cleveland.com slash capital letter. That's cleveland.com slash C-A-P-I-T-O-L-L-E-T-T-E-R. So what do you guys make of his congressional race? Is he actually competitive? I, I would probably say very competitive. If there's one district in the state that looks like it you know, is pretty flippable. It's probably that one. I, I can't remember if it's rated toss up or not. I think it might be. But it's kind of a combination of the demographics of the district. Yeah. Uh, this sort of, uh, I guess, yeah. it's a low key Republican who holds the seat, even though he's been there for a while. Um, and then uh, Aftab, who recently just won office. He's high energy. He's raised a ton of money. He's got a memorable name. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, so just so so just kind of that's the kind of triangulation there that people look at it and say, yeah, maybe he could win. And he's pretty politically astute, all things considered, too. Um, you'll hear in this next uh, segment, he, he does kind of circle back to some of his talking points a bit. I mean, it's not surprising. You know, politicians do that. And it's kind of expected of them. But he's very apt at, uh, you know, oftentimes when we talk to politicians and we ask them a question, they answer the question that they want to answer. With him, he does a good job of actually answering the question, but then going back to what right. he wants so to talk he about. acts like he's not doing it, but he's doing but he's, it. But he, yeah, he slides back into it. And, and he, I mean, from just like an evaluation standpoint, you know, you step back and you say, oh, who's good at this? Who's not good at this? I, I think he's actually pretty adept at being able to kind of do that. You mean not answer the question? No, he did answer the oh, question. It's okay. a weird thing. He answered all of our questions, no problem. It was that he he found a way to kind of take it back to his race. Um, and I think that's that's pretty politically savvy because, you know, when you're in a gaggle and you ask a question, you know, you might not always realize what you've got. But if you can, like when you're a reporter, you get back and you might not always realize what you've got and you get an answer to your question. But then 
the next quote is, you know, something about his race. He the, always the ties it back to his The of my race. opponent are, are very like my favorite pizza growing up. And if you listen to, you know, one of the kind of criticisms against the Democratic Party is they weren't able, they let, you know, whoever control the narrative and they're not able to do it themselves. And I think he's actually, he was actually fairly, we weren't looking for him to do it. I want to make that clear, but he was pretty good at kind of doing that during this next segment. So the failed policies in the pizza were both in case you were wondering. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's always interesting. And sometimes I forget, like, as a reporter, people are very aware when they're talking to a reporter. And, like, you know, you're just you and you're just asking questions. And you sometimes forget that um, people try to... Act for us? Act for us or dodge the question or, you know, answer what they want to answer. And it, it's always great when you find somebody who's actually going to be frank and candid and you know real with you um but it's also good for him as a politician to be able to bring it back to his message I i think that shows that he's um good at his job I'm I'm not bashing Aftab at all, but I think he's real, like with a capital R, where you know it's like a very cultivated type of real. So he's got you know a great sense of humor. Um, he's very personable, but also that really hardcore message discipline that you know is sort of typical of, of pretty much every successful politician. He's very aware he's running for office. Might be the way to put yeah. it. Yeah. So. I do want to note that we have invited Steve Shabbat onto this show just because his name is invoked quite a bit throughout this next segment. We have not heard back from him. Uh, hopefully he will come on. We you know, we would love to have him on. Uh, but with that, let's go ahead and listen to the interview that we did with Aftab Piraval. Uh, let's talk about your race for a little bit, okay? Sure, yeah. All right. So tell us about the 1st District. 1st District is the best district uh, in Ohio. It covers uh, the central and western parts of Hamilton County. Uh, It also uh, covers all of Warren County. We're lucky to have some incredible corporate citizens in in the 1st District. Uh, We've got uh, Procter & Gamble. We've got Kroger. We've got GE Aviation, Luxottica, um, Cintas. I mean, so many uh, employers in the district that are really driving the economy. We've got uh, treasures like the University of Cincinnati, uh, the Cincinnati Children's Hospital, which is one of the, the best children's hospitals in the world. Uh, and we're a proud middle-class community uh, that has incredible ice cream uh, with graders and incredible uh, skyline chili. So we're, uh, we have a lot to be proud of, and we have a lot to be optimistic about. But like any other district in the state of Ohio, we have our challenges, uh, unique challenges that uh, have left wages stagnant, that have left a lot of jobs uh, to be desired, that really need and are crying out for new leadership to drive uh, investment into the uh, into the community to to improve our infrastructure, uh, and those are all things that people across the district are telling me they care about. So, where do you see Cincinnati in ten years? You know, I, I see I see it uh, on the path that it's on today, continuing to progress, continuing to uh, drive innovation, uh, continuing to evolve its economy around the innovations that are going on uh, across the world. We're we're lucky in Cincinnati to have a strong and growing uh, startup community that really is the tip of the spear for innovation um, in our community, in the region, and in the state. And we we continue to push the envelope in in new investments. We just had uh, FC Cincinnati being chosen as a, a new MLS team, bringing more business, bringing more excitement uh, to Cincinnati. So, you know, I think we're on a, a really strong direction as a city. 
Uh, I think as a region, uh, we need to uh, we need to come together and start prioritizing issues that people care deeply about, issues such as health care and access to it, uh, issues like the economy and this most recent tax bill, and 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 fundamentally infrastructure. Uh, with the Brent Spence Bridge and with the Western Hills Viaduct, we have two massive infrastructure problems uh, in in our city. That's 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 holding us back. So if I, I think if we can fix some of those things that are challenging us. Uh, there's no telling what we can can accomplish in the next 10 years. Superficially, the the narrative of your race now is sort of similar to when you first ran for the clerk of courts and that you have uh, a, an opponent, Steve Shabbat, who's pretty, he's been in there for a while. Yeah, and, 22 years. And, and similarly, you know, this is a district that was drawn to sort of be a Republican-leading district. So... Uh, w- so those are like some of the similarities, I guess. What, what's different, though, about running for this race? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 vastly different, right? So the the clerk of courts, um, first of all, from a geography perspective, is just countywide. Um, there is no drawing of lines in the county. The county is what it is. This district has been drawn as, and I agree with you, it's been drawn to elect a Republican. Um, the other the other difference, frankly, is the uh, is the number of issues. Um, to be conversant in uh, and to be persuasive in. Uh, the clerk of courts race is really quite myopic about how to be the best possible courthouse we can be, how to even the playing field um, in the courthouse and be accessible to everyone. When you're running for Congress, um, you are expected to be and you should be conversant on a uh, a whole host of issues, both foreign and domestic. And then finally, the scrutiny is, uh, is, is much higher when you're running for Congress than you're, when you're running for local election. Um, but, you know, there are benefits in running for local election. You are not, uh, you, in many ways, you are, um, because you're so far under the radar, um, you can um, kind of be a little more creative, uh, hence the duck commercials, right? You can, it frees you up to be a little more, I guess, freer in your approach to the campaign uh, and in, in the issues that you talk about. So your race kind of started off interesting where I believe you ended up filing a police report because you had some trackers or people knocking on your door and trying to figure out, I guess, if you live there. Have things died down since then or... Uh, yeah, thankfully they have. So hours after I announced our campaign, um, some folks, well, uh, the Shabby campaign admitted to putting uh, trackers, people literally sitting in their cars outside of, of uh, my uh, old house. Uh, and it got to a point where someone who's uh, yet to be identified started banging on the door um, uh, while my wife was inside. Um, yelling at her, calling her out by name. Uh, and so obviously she was terrified and she uh, was forced to call 911. And uh, heartbreakingly and unfortunately, those 911 tapes uh, became public and you could really hear the fear in her voice. You know, that's, uh, that's unfortunately a political reality about running for, for Congress in office uh, these days. That's, that's just how toxic and how broken the system has been. Uh, and that's one of the chief reasons uh, I'm running to try and restore some common sense and to some and some sanity and decency, frankly, to the political uh, to the political environment. So I, I guess the issue, though, supposedly anyways, was whether or not you lived in the district. And so can you explain? I'm, I don't know Cincinnati. So what's the difference between living in Hyde Park versus downtown? Why, why did this matter? Yeah, the difference is, I, I don't know, maybe uh, a mile and a half. <laughs> so it's a uh, uh, listen, I, I live in the district. Um, when we announced our candidacy, I lived in the district. 
Uh, I attended the University of Cincinnati College of Law in the district. I served as a special assistant United States attorney in the district. I worked as an in-house counsel with Procter & Gamble in the district. Um, and currently, as the Hamilton County Clerk of Courts, I represent 80% of the district. So the people of the 1st District know who I am. So why do you think you're right to represent the 1st District? Uh, you know, Shabbat's obviously, like we were saying, has, has been there for a while. and he's been, I mean, he's been there for 22 years. Uh, this man has been running for office for 40 years. He told us uh, when he was first elected that he believed uh, in term limits, and he believed in term limits of up to six years. So he's been... Uh, he's been uh, essentially going back on his word ever since. Uh, I think I'm right to, to represent the district because uh, the people of the 1st Congressional dis District desperately want change. Uh, they've seen that he's been in there for over two decades, uh, and, and many people, even his strongest supporters, would be hard-pressed to tell you what his crowning achievement is. Uh, people on the West Side tell me all the time he's been there for 22 years. When I look back 22 years ago, am I better off uh, today than I was then? For a lot of people, the answer is no. Uh, I think people are looking for uh, new ideas and a new vision and a new way of doing things, um, and, and that's what we're hoping to, to provide. So when we were researching for this interview, we found an interesting quote from John Cranley, who's the mayor of Cincinnati. He called you, you know, according to the Cincinnati Inquirer, the right kind of moderate. Uh, what do you think he meant by that? I think he means that I'm a candidate that makes promises and follows through on those promises. Um, when I was running for the Hamilton County Clerk of Courts, I, I told people uh, I was going to go to the courthouse and make significant changes. I was going to end patronage. I was going to end nepotism. I was going to run the courthouse professionally and modernize it and save taxpayer dollars. And I've done all of those things. On my very first day, I changed out the leadership and I brought in qualified and competent people from Fortune 500 companies to help me run this office. And from the very first day, I made it clear that nepotism and patronage, that that culture and that era was over. When I first started in the clerk's office, the starting salary was $21,000 a year. Those are poverty wages for a family of four in Cincinnati. People, public servants working and living in poverty was unconscionable, so we changed it. Now every single person in the office is guaranteed a livable wage of $30,000. A lot of Democrats talk about livable wages. I actually instituted it. Uh, when I first started, we didn't even have maternity leave. Uh, if you got pregnant, you were forced to use FMLA or sick leave. And if you didn't have any of that, you were out of luck. I'm proud of the fact that we're the first countywide executive in the state to offer comprehensive paid family leave maternity leave, paternity leave, but also family sick leave because so many people in our office are taking care of sick loved ones. We protected our LGBTQ employees. We invested in the first new website in over 20 years. 20 years, think about that. Al Gore conceived of the internet. We threw a website up there and then we didn't touch it. Uh, and what I'm most proud of is after doing all of those things, after treating our employees with dignity, after investing in new technology, we still saved Hamilton County taxpayers nearly $1 million last year. I said what I meant. I meant what I said. I made promises, and I kept those promises, and I'm incredibly proud of that track record. So we, uh, it's, it's been a thing before, actually, where, where candidates really don't like to sort of label themselves politically. I think they maybe they don't want to put themselves in a box or something like that. But so do you, do you think you're a moderate, or how would you describe yourself politically? I'm, I'm a progressive Democrat. Uh, I, I'm proud of the fact that I uh, fight for working families and represent middle class families. Um, that's you know that that's my uh, perspective. That's that's why I'm running for Congress uh, because 
Steve Shabbat has shown us who he stands for and what he stands for when he votes uh, to take health care away from 35,000 people in my district, uh, when he votes to continue to rig the economy with the tax bill against the middle class uh, and working class families. Uh, those are the people uh, that I'm trying to fight for in Congress. So part of your district is Warren County, and it's actually like, uh, as far as how congressional districts go, like it's actually all of Warren County, so you don't have to like slice it into little pieces, so it's kind of easier to conceive that way. But um, so being that Warren County is in your district, and the Right to Life movement is actually very active there. So uh, in the past, you've, your position is that you're in favor of abortion rights. So how do you feel like that issue plays with, with the people who are going to be considering voting for you? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't believe it's the government's uh, role to get in between a mother, or excuse me, a, a woman and her doctor when she's, uh, when she's making health care decisions. Um, and I would, I would contrast my position with, with Shabbat's position. I mean, he is extreme on uh, issues related to women, on abortion uh, and on choice. He, he doesn't believe in a woman's right to choose, even in the most extreme instances. Uh, he doesn't believe insurance companies should cover women who have uh, given birth or who have had breast cancer with those pre-existing conditions. He, vo- he voted against the Violence Against Women Act. Uh, he is just completely out of touch with the district, um, and I genuinely believe my record of standing up for uh, women who have been abused, my record of comprehensive paid family leave for the women in my office, advocating uh, for fair pay, um, equal work deserves equal pay, I, I think those issues are going to resonate with women, whether they're in Warren County or in Ham- Hamilton County. So you won in 2016 in a year that just generally wasn't good for Democrats in Ohio. And, you know, I guess you could go back further and say Ohio Democrats haven't had that many good years in general. Uh, Why do you think that is? Well, I mean, I I think a big reason is because these districts have been drawn to elect um, Republicans, which is why Steve Shabbat is allowed to not do a town hall since 2013, uh, which is why, uh, frankly, he is allowed to not be accessible or responsive to his constituents. Um, I talked to a lot of people across the district uh, who have sent him emails, who have made calls to him, who've, who've showed up at, to his office, and they've not yet uh, had a response from him or had uh, any kind of outreach from him uh, personally uh, or from his office other than kind of a standard stock letter. So that's led a lot of people to be frustrated, which is why I think uh, 2018 is going to be different, uh, despite the fact that these districts have been drawn to elect Republicans uh, because of the activism and energy that I'm seeing on the ground. Uh, I'm incredibly optimistic that the people of the first district are going to vote for change. But even statewide, you've seen Democrats have a real problem getting elected. Why do you think it hasn't, you know, why, why haven't they caught on statewide? Well, you know, I, I think... I, I think Democrats and uh, and Republicans are uh, are gu- guilty of getting in office and then not producing for their voters. So what I what I really value about uh, our clerk of courts campaign and the tra- the track record that I've been able to uh, build there is that voters know that I mean what I say. That I when I make promises, I I no matter how hard those decisions are. I intend to follow through on those promises. Uh, and so I think, you know, to the extent that Democrats have gotten into office or Republicans have gotten into office, they haven't necessarily put points on the board. They haven't been strong advocates for uh, the people that they represent. Far too often, politicians on both sides of the aisle are more interested in, in getting reelected than actually creating meaningful change for their constituents. Uh, and I hope to be a, a new kind of public servant. 
So what's Aftab's take on being a Democrat running in the Trump age? Because it's kind of a special time in politics, I think we could all agree. Yeah. I think he was kind of, like, excited about it, I, I think. I don't know. Like, he sort of, he seemed to relish the fight a little bit to me, and he he seemed genuinely interested in talking policy. But again, kind of like we talked last segment, he, you know, we'd ask him something, and he's more than happy to lay it out, but he, he does tie it back to his message. Um, so I, I think... Um, I mean, giddy's not the right word, but he's he's de- he's definitely like happy to be doing it right now. I think. Yeah, I think that uh, you know he was a political science major when he was young. He told us he really likes The West Wing. Spoiler alert. I really like The West Wing too. I think it's a great show. We should put you guys in touch. It's too bad you weren't there. Danny Concanon, if any West Wing fans are aware, he was the reporter in West Wing, and he and CJ, who I can't remember her last name, had like a fling throughout the show spoiler yes spoilers anyway i really always liked um danny concannon in the west wing so i was sorry i wasn't able to chat more with aftab about that but was allison janney in that show yes she is cj that's what i thought yeah dayton ohio too oh there we go full full ohio circle here (laughs) we got it and so is aftab but uh but the point i was making is i think he's somebody who likes politics i think he's very deliberate about it um and i think he sees the opportunity that um uh the, the role that he can play, I guess, in the current political kind of setting or landscape or whatever. And uh, bonus, we will be discussing The Bachelor in this segment too, but not very much, unfortunately. So That's something I was really sad about because Seth came to me when he was prepping for this interview and he was like, hey, yo, do you, do you know anything about The Bachelorette? And I was like, <laughs> do I? Little did I know. Yeah. Um, so I gave him all of this great insightful stuff about the dynamics of the bachelorette and like whether or not the guys are there for the right reasons or whether or not they actually just like want to be on tv the right reasons being like you know to fall in love on television um anyway i like gave seth all of these like insightful questions to ask him and all for not all for not so if you haven't figured out by now this is actually now a bachelorette podcast so with that let's listen to the rest of the interview with aftab Puraval. When you look at your trajectory, it's a sort of bottom-up approach to uh, you know politics and the Democratic Party. That is kind of what the Democratic Party has really been stressing is you know sort of nurturing the local candidates and eventually turning them into maybe a state candidate and then a statewide or something like that. You're kind of on, I guess, the uh, sort of uh, the rapid path of that in a way. Um, but are you the model for how the Democratic Party should sort of cultivate candidates so that they can gain a little more relevance in the state? Gosh, Seth, I, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I hope I'm not the model because at every, at every uh, turn, people have been discouraging me from running for office. Um, you know, but, but I do, I, I would say that uh, I think as Democrats, we do need to invest it at the local level. We do need to uh, treat uh, the clerk of courts or the township trustee or the small city council uh, as passionately uh, and as importantly as we treat these congressional races and statewide races. Uh, if I can pay my my colleagues on the opposite side of the aisle a compliment, uh, Republicans have really done a great job of, of cultivating their bench by really investing at the grassroots. 
the good news is I think I think we're learning from our past mistakes, and uh, and I think the state party and the national party is really trying to approach it from a bottom up uh, perspective, as as you just laid out. Um, and you know, frankly, I've been uh, the beneficiary of some of that uh, as the clerk of court. So I'm I'm hoping that trend continues. So you've been described as one of the Democratic Party's quote next big stars. Uh, what do you think of that title? <laughs> I think it's I think it's overblown, Seth. Um, if 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 you are elected and you have a pulse in the Democratic Party, you're the next big star. <laughs> so I mean, you know, it's a it's a it's a low bar. Uh, listen, I'm I'm incredibly proud of the fact that we're getting attention. I'm incredibly proud of the fact that we've got a lot of energy behind us. Um, I'm I'm incredibly proud of the fact that you know uh, the most recent poll in our district shows that this race is essentially tied. Um, I, I think it's I think it's about the issues, right? I think it's about people being tired of the same representation. We can't expect things to change in D.C. if we continue to send the same people. I think it's people frustrated uh, that Steve Shabbat voted to ca- take health care away from thousands of people in our district with literally no idea how he was going to replace it. That's not partisan. That's just irresponsible. I think people are looking for a common sense leader with a track record of achievement, and I'm hoping to be that person. So on Ohio Matters, we apparently uh, love having young politicians from Southwest Ohio on. Uh, we've, <laughs> yeah, we've had P.G. Sittenfeld, we've had Nan Whaley, and now we've had you. All three of you at one point have been described as you know rising stars or some variation thereof. And I'm curious, what is it about Southwest Ohio that seems to get uh, young Democrats like wanting to run and kind of ambitious young Democrats? Why is that sort of the hub for that? As opposed to like a Cleveland or a Columbus, say. Yeah, you know, I I think Cincinnati is this is this wonderful place where it is it is big enough to have world class, um, uh, big city arts, uh, obviously world class corporations, um, uh, just a lot of a lot of energy and activity going on in Cincinnati. But it's it's small enough where you can have a meaningful difference. It's small enough where uh, someone like P.G. Sittenfeld. Uh, someone on the younger side can run for office and then make a, a difference when elected. Uh, and so I think a lot of people see uh, that opportunity, see that possibility, and get more and more engaged, not only in the political side, but also in the startup side, in the business side, uh, in, the, in the philanthropic side. Uh, so because of that kind of unique blend in our city, uh, we see a lot of folks of, of every age really engaged in, in, in that civic responsibility. Do you and PG ever hang out? <laughs> yeah, we do. Yeah, PG's my buddy. We uh, it's it's nice to have someone um, of of a similar perspective and a similar age uh, to bounce ideas off of, uh, to get advice from. You know, this is uh, this can be a, a challenging business, um, as uh, as Andrew mentioned earlier on in the uh, in the inter- interview, uh, and having uh, a friend and and colleague in the business going through it with you uh, is always something that's um, that's helpful. Is he as intense in private as he is in public? He's the. Would you do you think he's intense? I think he's kind of. That's actually that's actually from one of our uh, our co-hosts. I think he's. I mean, listen, I love the guy, and I hope I hope he's not offended by this, but it's I think like he's a, a little goofy. It's right? like a fun intense. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a fun intense. Yeah, I don't want to say like. Yeah, I'm I mean, the guy like every it, other picture on Instagram is him like. Uh, elbows deep in some skyline. So, <laughs> you know, I don't I don't know that he's intense. I mean, I, I think he's I think he's incredibly committed to public service and he obviously takes it seriously, but PG is exactly the same person behind the scenes that he is uh, kind of in front of the camera and, and I think that's a good thing. 
So what do you think about the general political environment today in, in the country? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I don't think it, it takes a rocket scientist to, to see that it's, it's broken. It's incredibly toxic. Um, you know, you've got, uh, you've got uh, p- our leaders appealing to our, our, our basest instincts, our, the lowest common denominator. Um, and, and that's, you know, one of the biggest reasons I'm running as, as a young, diverse candidate uh, to kind of stand up to what I view as a, a rigged economy, uh, to stand up to uh, leadership in Steve Shabbat, who hasn't been held accountable uh, in 22 years, um, to try and give people a vision of government that works. I mean, listen, guys, I, I get it. The clerk of courts is not sexy. It's not glamorous. But what we've been able to achieve there, bringing Republicans and Democrats together, saving taxpayer dollars while actually improving services, I think gives people a vision of government that is optimistic, that works, that's common sense, uh, that puts uh, the constituents before uh, political careers. Um, and, you know, I'm hoping to bring that kind of that kind of common sense decency to Washington, D.C. You mentioned the economy. I mean, you know, if you look at jobs reports, GDP growth has been pretty high. The unemployment rate is pretty low. So I guess, you know, how do you make an argument the economy isn't doing well? The economy is doing well, but as always, it's doing well for millionaires and for billionaires. Uh, I was just reading a U.N. report on uh, on the United States economy and the United States experience, and it shows that the a wage gap, the wealth gap in the United States is the worst uh, than any other Western country. Uh, That the idea of the American dream, that the harder you work, the more opportunities that you have and the more wealth you have, is just not true for a lot of communities across the country, including a lot of working class white Americans. Uh, That this idea of equality of opportunity for so many in our country just doesn't exist. And so in, instead of trying to resolve that wealth and wage inequity, in order, instead of trying to resolve the fact that people haven't had a raise, a lot of people haven't had a raise for 20 years, that wages have been just utterly stagnant, Steve Shabbat voted for a tax bill that gives a vast majority of the benefit to the richest Americans in this country. Here are the facts. 85% of this tax bill benefit goes to the richest 1% in the country. After it's fully instituted, 92 million American families' taxes will actually go up. And also, it blows a $1.5 trillion hole in the deficit. My generation is going to have to pay for that. Or, in the alternative, if Paul Ryan gets his way, they're going to come after Medicaid, Medicare, and Social Security to fill that hole, asking the most vulnerable among us to pay for a tax break for billionaires and millionaires. It's irresponsible, it's unfair, and it's unjust, and it's one of the principal reasons why people are looking for change in D.C. What's been the biggest success and the biggest failure of Congress since Trump took office? I mean, you know, I, I, I think that, uh, I think where Trump and I agree is, um, is on infrastructure. Uh, I, I, I think we disagree with how with how we think about it, but I think we uh, we disagree on on how we are going to fund it. But the fact of the matter is, in my district, the Western Hills Viaduct is literally crumbling and raining concrete, and the Brent Spence Bridge is a crisis of transportation that's going to affect the entire region. And Steve Shabbat's been there for 22 years, and frankly, he hasn't lifted a finger to fix either of those uh, infrastructure challenges. 
Infrastructure, transportation, these are not partisan issues. I think there's a way to move forward with President Trump, with Republicans, to bring people together to fix these issues that are ailing our country. And I also agree that, you know, frankly, Washington, D.C. needs to change. I think Trump's message of, tra of change uh, uh, was, was met with genuine enthusiasm. Um, I similarly uh, ran on a message of changing the courthouse, uh, and I, I followed through on that. I actually did that on day one. I'm hoping to have the opportunity to, to do my part to change D.C. if elected. Are you at all concerned that uh, Democrats will need to ride the coattails of, you know, Sherrod Brown? What do you mean by that? Concerned how? Um, you know, he's the only statewide office holder who's a Democrat. He's really been one of the only Democrats who's had some real significant success politically, I mean, really going back almost 20 years when you think about it. Uh, maybe even a little bit longer, um, because you do have such a thin bench with the mm -hmm. Democratic Party, and you know maybe not everybody's name ID is quite as high as it could be. You know, especially with the Republican counterparts, um, is is there a concern that a lot of this election, like among Democrats, is there a concern that a lot of it is going to be based on however Sherrod does? And on top of that, I guess I could ask because Sherrod is kind of a unique political figure in a way, just yeah. you know, sort of that populist Democrat type. Is there a concern at all that you have, you know, I guess the quote unquote, the Sherrod Republican, I mean, that's probably an oxymoron given all the emails I get in a day, but is, is there like a Sherrod voter who maybe isn't going to vote down ticket? And is that a concern at all for Democrats? No, I mean, if anything, Democrats are, are rejoicing that we have uh, Senator Sherrod Brown uh, on the top of the ticket. Uh, he has shown to be an incredible public servant, uh, and because he has represented the state uh, passionately and effectively, uh, voters have, uh, have sent him back to D.C. time and time again. Uh, if anything, I think Democrats are, um, are, are feeling lucky and fortunate to have Senator Brown leading the way. Uh, someone who has been battle-tested, someone who has been through really tough elections in the past, uh, to give mentorship to down-ticket Democrats like myself, uh, to, to provide uh, support uh, and feedback and advice, uh, and hopefully to drive the enthusiasm and energy of Democrats and independents uh, and, frankly, working-class and middle-class families across the state. There's no better or more genuine messenger of our of our message than than Sherry Brown. He is uh, from head to toe, through and through, um, uh, an advocate and and passionate supporter of working class families, and that really comes across. Does it does it make any challenges where? Um, not necessarily that you have to run on the same ticket as Sherrod. That's not what I'm asking. But do you have to run your campaign a little differently when you do have such a big figure at the top and you need to make sure that it's not all about just the top of the ticket that people are voting for you? I, I think you have to run your own race no matter who's at the top of the ticket. Um, you know, what I love about congressional races is that, is that they're local races. Uh, the, these are not, while they're for federal offices, the issues that people care about um, are, are, by and large, local issues, issues like infrastructure, issues like jobs and economic development. Um, you know, even to a certain degree, issues like health care are, uh, for a local uh, issue, about premiums and prescription drug costs. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I think we, uh, we look to Sherrod Brown as a mentor and the leader of our party, but we've got to run our own race. Uh, and the issues that people care about in the first congressional district aren't necessarily consistent with the issues that statewide voters care about. 
So in doing our research for this episode, we found that your favorite TV show is The Bachelor. The, bachel- the Bachelorette, <laughs> right? True. That's not true. That is not true. So I, I listen. This is uh, I'm a new new at this political thing. Uh, I, I I told a reporter that sometimes I enjoyed watching The Bachelor or Bachelorette uh, to unwind. Uh, that I thought it was a, a funny kind of distraction but no that is not not like tivoing the bachelor here so we're clearing the air on this very <laughs> we're, we're clearing <laughs> the air this is big thanks for giving me that opportunity all I right well it. i mean i i thought it was one of your favorite shows just from reading the uh, i think i believe it was a magazine article about you i had to crowdsource uh, some ba- have you been watching this season i haven't i haven't been you have this. not there, there's more evidence that it's not my favorite show so what would your favorite show be i guess now my, that we're putting you on the record yeah my favorite show is is the west wing which which may not be uh, surprising but um you know, I, I first saw The West Wing when I was in college, and uh, it, it gave me a maybe a too optimistic or too rosy view of what government could be. Um, but, you know, fundamentally, it's about bringing people together and making sure that no one gets left behind. Uh, and that message still inspires me today. So you're a guy who watched The West Wing in college. You're running for Congress before you turn 40. I guess, what, what's your, what, where do you see yourself politically, or what are your goals sort of long term? You know, I, I, I really don't have any. I, I, I will say this. Running for Congress uh, when I did have a plan was was not part of it. Uh, I just got married three weeks ago. Uh, and Congratulations. I can, thank you, guys. I appreciate that. And I can tell you uh, genuinely that this was not part of the plan because I would not have planned a wedding during a congressional race. Um, I don't know. It's going to take everything we possibly can muster to win this race. Uh, we are uh, in a challenging district, um, but I think we're right on the issues, uh, and certainly the energy that we're seeing on the ground uh, gives us a lot of hope for November. Well, Aftab, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me, guys. 